0: You're listening to Errol Parker and Clancy Overall, editors of the Batooter Advocate, on Desert Rock FM. Well, welcome back to Desert Rock FM, ninety-six point five, uh, the Batooter Advocate radio show. Here with Clancy Overall and Errol Parker, and today we have a guest who is, uh, you know, one of Queensland's favourite sons, definitely Caboolture's favourite son, the the prince, the young prince, uh, the baby of the house, White Roy. Thank you for joining us, mate.
1: Hey, guys. Thanks for having us on. Great to have you here. It's good to be here.
0: Now, what are you doing with yourself at this moment? Enjoying
1: life. Uh, You know, it's a a lot less stressful, and uh, I I work for this interesting US-based company. I run their Australia operations, which is um, pretty liberating, to be honest with you, and I think Beating up on politicians is a national sport. You know, it's not going to go away anytime soon. But there's a lot of life after politics, and I'm really enjoying it for you know a whole bunch of
2: reasons. So, is that how you found yourself over in uh, in Syria? Wasn't it? Uh,
1: Uh, Not technically Syria. A bit of a grey area. Northern
2: Iraq. Northern Iraq.
1: No, it wasn't this company. It was. um, I mean, it's an area um, that I've had a lot of interest in for a long time. I've actually been to the Middle East a bunch of times, and I've been to Iraq before, but obviously under pretty different circumstances. But uh, a friend of mine, a really good mate, he um, at the time had this really weird job where he, you can't sort of talk too much about it, but basically he worked for a private company on counter-radicalization. So Mm -hmm. how do you stop young people in northern Iraq basically going over to ISIS? And um, he said, come spend a few weeks with me and have a look at what we do. And uh, so I did.
0: He convinced you to not join?
1: Uh, Yeah, he was very, very, very eloquent and very convincing to not take up arms with the bad people. But no, I mean, seriously, these guys are, um, you know, it's kind of interesting, I guess, but they, um, they are really taking on pure evil. I mean, you know, these are blokes who put women in cages and burn them alive and do these, you know, horrible crimes against humanity, literally committed genocide or tried to commit genocide. And he was fighting the good fight to stop them.
2: Yeah, it's definitely a different road uh, t- to go down to what most people do after politics and that's probably go and work for Gina Reinhardt or go and yeah. work for a bank. She
1: wouldn't take my phone oh, call. It was no. really weird.
2: Whoa. <laughs> 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 you tried. No, I'm joking. <laughs> tried. Well, it's not on speeder. But you do miss 100% of the shots that you don't take white. So
0: <laughs> You might <laughs> get true. a job in the morning sickness. <laughs> that's true.
1: So I'm, not. Not, I'm, not, I'm pretty happy where I am, i got to
0: tell you. So, it's called adventure tech, what you're in? Is that?
1: Uh, it, it's actually artificial intelligence. I mean, Ooh, you know, it's full all right. of all these buzzwords. Um, yeah. But basically, people that are a lot smarter than me uh, work in the business. But we work with the world's largest companies. So, I think, you know, big banks, telcos, insurance companies, and mm-hmm. help them with their customers. And it's a, an interesting piece of technology that makes them a lot of money and helps, um, helps their business. So, it's, it's interesting to be working with cool people across the globe.
0: So, looking back, elected at 20 years old. Yep. twenty years. I just it. turned twenty. Just turned twenty. I was nineteen so, when I was running. So, I, I, did you at any point in the how, how many years were you sitting?
1: So it was six years, two yep. terms. Two um, One in five days, I was on Earth. I was a member of Parliament.
0: Yep, it's a bit weird. Did you think that was going to be your Christopher Pine? You were going to be there for twenty-five years? Never, never. No?
1: And I and I used to always talk about this as well. And I think people probably found it hard to believe in some ways. But I really don't think politics sh- should be a career for life, um, as weird as that is going in when you're 19 or 20. Um, it, I think it's 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 a strange profession. It's weird. Um, you should go in there to make a difference, right, mm-hmm. to change the country for the better. And I think if you're actually going to do that, you need to take pretty big risk. That means you're probably going to be faced with your mortality because yeah. you can lose seats and do whatever else. And at 19, I had no desire to be, you know, Christopher or Philip Ruddock or whatever. I just wanted to, to do something. And I mean, you never know what the future holds. But I've got to tell you, like doing this second career is really interesting. And I think people our age probably have six or seven careers in their lifetime. And it's always the way I've thought about this thing. Um, I don't think you wanted to be there just. To make every decision to keep you there, because ultimately wouldn't do anything. If you do nothing in politics, you can get re-elected forever. It's a really sad kind of indictment on where politics is at. But um, I didn't want to be a career politician. So
0: did you have an exit game? Did you have an exit strategy? And and were you caught by surprise when?
1: No, I wasn't. I mean, it's hard to kind of admit, when- but I wasn't caught by surprise. I mean, you know, it's a marginal seat. I won it off the Labor Party. I had a lot of people um, throwing a lot at making sure that I didn't win of course you want to win and I think I lost by like less than 1% so um, it is what it is and my primary vote was higher than a lot of people that sit in the parliament today but of course you know you can lose and you have to have a lot of zen about that and it, you know at the, on election night you're probably pretty upset and you worry about your staff and you know the changes that those people have to go through but for me it was frankly pretty liberating and within a few
2: months I was in a very happy place So two terms was, was just long enough?
1: Uh I mean it was great I mean, it's not just two terms right it's actually what did you do and yeah. I mean I you know met some people spend 20 years in parliament and do less than I did so yeah. you know I was a minister I did a big reform package you know we changed stuff across nine government departments tax changes education changes that's why you go into politics mm-hmm. imagine if you go into polit- imagine if you're a labor mp elected in 96 mm-hmm. you could never have touched government benches you could never have touched doing those things so for me Six years is a long time, and I think politics, you kind of live in dog years. Was it enough? Well, what was enough was changing the country. That was exciting, and that was something I'm really proud of.
0: And who would you say, and you're more than welcome to name names, is an example of someone who has made a very long career in politics out of doing nothing?
1: Uh, Well, I don't want to name names, but... um this is
2: how I think about
1: this.
0: There are Wayne Swan.
2: <laughs> he doesn't like me. Well, I don't know to like like stick the knife in anymore. But uh, but Wayne did save every person in this country from financial ruin in two thousand nine yeah. when he gave yeah. not Peter Costello or John oh, Howard. No, no. no the, Who are those, those blokes? I can't even remember.
1: Um, no, I, I think the way that I think about this is there's two hundred odd politicians in the parliament. Mm-hmm. If you had a workplace with two hundred people anywhere, you'd have good people, bad people, lazy people, smart people, whatever. And of course, there is a percentage of the parliament mm-hmm. that frankly are, you know, they call them seat warmers or whatever. Mm-hmm. And yep. there is some of that, but there's also some yeah. people who are
2: doing an enormous amount for the benefit of all of us. And that's a great thing. Yeah. Including all those, all the backbenchers from... The National Party, they, they, they do—they're <laughs> making an a valuable
1: contribution service. to the future of the country at the moment, yeah. and helping our democratic debate. So yeah. Even former Deputy Prime Ministers, you know.
0: Oh, yeah. here we go. Now, I mentioned Wayne Swan earlier yeah. because he was technically a neighbour, wasn't he? In terms of oh, close electorate? enough. I mean, Caboolture was your hometown.
1: Yeah, so he's a couple of seats away. A Couple of seats away. Yeah, more uh, of a city bloke.
0: Yeah, right. You're yeah. a bit deeper. Yeah. And what was the demographics like when you threw your hand up at nineteen? In like, my seat. What did what you see? Did you grew up in a uh, in a agricultural household? Yeah. that was that's an interesting run. Nationals don't have a foot in around there, or I mean
1: they do. And like my my pre selectors, because in Queensland we're one party, one yeah. big happy family. Um, half my pre selectors were old National Party members, yeah. and I do come from a farming family, my family are strawberry farmers. Um, My family actually traditionally votes for the Labor Party. I'm the first person in my family to finish high school, including two older brothers who, you know, I love dearly and, you know, they do other things. But, um, you know, Dad was so good at grade nine, he said that they asked him to do it twice. And uh, that's kind of the background. So it's just like, we're happy for you to finish school, let alone go into politics. But for me, the Liberal Party is kind of, the story of my family, of the Howard Battlers, of aspiration, and, and I really am a very proud liberal because of the philosophy, and that's how I you know, found myself in this party in pretty unexpected circumstances.
0: I didn't expect to be in politics. I wasn't a political junkie. Did you expect to be moving as fast as you did? You, you were in the cabinet within uh, one term. Yeah. Well,
1: um, I think you have to be ambitious, yeah. and politics is governed by opportunity and circumstance so you know i don't think there's any point being there unless you're trying to do something can um you're right i mean it was a pretty you know i was a minister relatively quickly in my career and lost an election relatively quickly within my Mm. career as well so it's just the nature of politics but um as long as you're out there advocating for stuff i think people recognize that at some point
2: yeah no i'm just trying to unpack how how you can not be uh that involved in politics not be a junkie of it per se and end up being I Elected to the house at age 20. Yeah,
1: it, I mean, it's a weird story. Um, yeah. So uh, how it actually happened, I was helping yeah. out a mate of mine. Um, he passed away a couple of years ago, but he ended up in a wheelchair. And I was pretty good at economics. It's the one thing I was pretty good at. And my economics lecturer said to me, you understand economics, but you also understand social justice, helping people. And it's a cliche, but if you put the two together, you can make a difference. And she's like, you should join a political party. And it was the last thing I thought about, but I um, but she convinced me and I did. And I realized if you are confident without being arrogant, and there's a huge difference that often gets lost in people in politics, uh, and if you're prepared to kind of have your say, when you become involved in the political party, you actually can, you know, start to get to know people, make differences, whatever else. And then for the LNP in Queensland, a pre-selection is just a plebiscite. So as long as you're a local, you can vote. Mm -hmm. I had a, a pretty you know, contested pre-selection, but um, I overwhelmingly won that. And I think part of that was because people, I think everyone knows how bad politics is, but I just wanted to talk about how good it can be. I think people kind of ran towards that. And even though they were, you know, might've been differently aligned to me philosophically or whatever else, I think they were prepared to let me have a go and see what we could do. And it worked out. So it was really quick, obviously, but don't think politics has to be governed by, you know, the way it's always been done or factions or unions or whatever else. People can get involved. And, how long had it been
0: since there was someone from the Liberal Party in that seat?
1: It'd only been three years, right. so uh, it was a seat that we had held from '96. It was formed in '96, so it held from '96 to 2007. It was a big loss at the 2007 election. It was held by one percent when I was pre-selected. I think that's partly why there was a lot of controversy because it wasn't like here's a 19-year-old to run yeah. somewhere weird. It was here's a seat we should win. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because uh,
2: that was a seat that was held by Mountbrow. That's right. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah.
1: Um, and like on you know 2007 election night. Howard came out and said, "You know, it's one of the biggest losses that we've had." So it was important we won that seat back, and um, and we did. Uh,
2: but um, yeah, it was funny that Howard actually came out and said that after he lost his own seat. Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, that's
1: yeah. true. Actually, I've been mean, up with yeah. this. Yeah, you know, this is one yeah, of the he, worst his priorities. Right? right. <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: like John, John,
0: you're you're nice. unemployed. <laughs> what are you doing?
1: I reckon he's doing okay now. I reckon yeah. he's probably all yeah. right. I yeah, saw well, him the other day. I think he's pretty happy.
0: I mean, uh, we won't go into that, but uh, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure he's doing all right. Uh, he's, he's, I mean, he's, he's got exactly. that Catholic church money back in he's all good. <laughs> <laughs> now, tell us a little bit more about the area. Uh, Caboolture, yeah. the family, are they still in the game? Yep, very much still, so. farming, still, farming is farming hard. Farming frost? Mate.
1: Like, farming is really hard. How did the needles and all that shit affect? Badly. It yeah? was a really tough year for my family, yeah. um, as it is. They're strawberry farmers, so yeah, uh, mm-hmm. yeah it, it, it's tough. It's yeah. But
0: that, and that, that was something that they felt instantly, wasn't it?
1: Yeah. It was, the funny thing about strawberries is, um, so there's like 23 million Australians, 25 million Australians. In Queensland, we grow 45 million strawberry plants. Yep. It's like you can get up to like five punnets a bush. You do the math. And we don't export yeah. strawberries. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of strawberries for people to eat. So supply and demand makes that industry tough. If you have good weather, you get a oversupply, prices crash. If you have bad weather, well, farming's yep. stuffed. Throw some needles in on top of that. Yeah. It's a really, really hard industry. Um, but you know, people don't go into farming for bi- that type of farming business. It's a lifestyle choice. You know, they've done it for generations. Yeah, right. So um, it's a character building um, experience for my family. I would say.
0: So would your family? They've been in the area for a while. For
1: generations, yeah. Right. Literally, um, the road that I grew up is called Roy's Road because it was named after the okay. the first people to move there.
0: Um, in that particular part of the world, they always talk about a certain kind of. I mean, even out to. Even out to Kingaroy and yep. peanuts and stuff is very kind of European uh, kind of background. <laughs> and uh, were, were your family involved in any of those kind of you know traditional forms of land clearing with two tractors and a chain? Or?
1: They were absolutely. I don't know whether I'm going to win any inner city votes in this uh, interview, but uh, no, it, like literally, what it was was back in the day, people wanted to live on the hills, yep. um, and the farm is on the water. It's on the on the Passage, and so yep. my grandfather rode a, um, a roadboat down the passage. And he saw a citrus tree and he said, that's a good place to grow citrus. Yep. Got like a 1,000 hectares on a peppercorn lease, which is like nothing, and developed a farm. So, you right. know, dug dams, but you know, the yeah. old-fashioned way and yeah, yeah. cleared it. And, you know, I don't know. I think it's a nice kind of pioneering spirit. It was a different time. You couldn't really go do what they did today. I reckon we'd be in trouble. Oh. Maybe late at night when no one's watching. I'm not
2: sure. Well, you know, I think all of us can dream about... The future that AgForce wants us to all live, you know, Mm. where everyone's
0: got their own dam, yeah, (laughs) everyone's got their own cleared bit of country, Mm. and you can knock things down as well. That's another thing. Remember, Joe knocked down Cloudland in the middle of the night, and people have
1: really forgiven him for that and moved on to you know.
0: (laughs) Well, they opened a new Cloudland in Fortitude Valley, so I think everyone's forgotten. Now, tell us a little bit about the mentorship, because you, as you said, you. With traditionally Labor family yeah. and then you found your place in the party so you didn't actually you weren't walking into the to the uh, Liberal Party saying this is the philosophy that I've grown up with and this is what I'm going to bring to it you kind of went in as a open canvas we clear canvas would you say or
1: no no i wouldn't I, I like i did come into it with a strong philosophical grounding but it was a lived experience not mm-hmm. something that's you know off mm-hmm. in the ether somewhere i mean my dad started his working life as a laborer and on the end of a shovel and mm-hmm. worked his way up to foreman at, at a earth moving company before going back to the farm you, you know he he was able to send me to an all right school after both of my brothers dropped out at a quite young age um and he was really determined to give me that opportunity that's essentially what the liberal party is right it's mm-hmm. about uh, quality of opportunity not subsidy it's about aspiration and and so i have those strong philosophical com, convictions and i definitely brought them into the parliament that's what our country should be is aspirational it's when we're at our best
0: and what do you think of the current liberal party well <laughs> in power yeah. you're not you're not involved in it anymore, no so we can't i'm not uh,
1: like no but i like i'm good, good mates obviously with a lot of people that are still there um, I I don't know I think there's a a bit of a tragedy happening I think the Liberal government has done a lot of really good things um, but politics is very tough at the moment and I think the challenge for the Liberal Party and this is true for political parties across the globe is how do you deal with the rise of populism Mm -hmm. and the contest that my side of politics will have over the coming years is do we stay true to those convictions that we just spoke about and I think and if we articulate them we'll be successful if we indulge in populism because of the way politics is changing with the media and whatever else, I think that's a very bad, bleak future for our party and that's going to play out over the coming years. So I obviously hope that you know if we stand on what the Liberal Party has always stood on, I think we'll be very successful. It's a pretty tough time politically at the moment, as it is in the US and France and UK and everywhere
0: else. It, it, it is an interesting one because the conversation you're saying right now that the Liberal Party needs to have is one that the Labor Party... Don't even need to have because in Australia anyway because it is almost like a Bradbury moment.
1: It is definitely a Bradbury moment. I mean, I don't think anyone's running out in the street saying, you know, Bill Shorten's going to be a great prime minister and throwing rose petals in front of him. But um, <laughs> I tell you, I tell you that the thing that will play out with the Labor Party in a similar vein is they will have a contest if they win the next election between inner city left yep. and working class Labor. Yep. And I will, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll bet you a we'll beer now that that will play out in a very big way. In the same way that we'll have to fight populism, um, so both parties have big challenges.
2: Well, there's a couple of people in the Labour Party who are going to be stuck in the middle of that. I mean, you've got yep. Albo, who, who's, who is from, you know, a dyed in the wool, kind of working class yep. upbringing, housing commission, and then you know, just two k's away. He's got the, the, the absolute crux of the inner city lefty, you know, who hasn't ever held a shovel. Yeah, I, I, do, do you think that's going to be? just as bad for the Labor Party as, as, you know, the the rise of the far right in the Liberal Party's been?
1: Well, I think it's going to be just as bad for the... I think it's going to be worse for the country. That's actually what matters. If these people win and that plays out in government, um, that's a really bad thing for the country. And I don't think because of where politics is at at the moment, anyone's really aware or discussing what that will look like. But we're already starting to see it. I mean, look at Adani, look at border security. And this is before the guys even have to make one decision on this stuff. When they're in government and they need to make decisions around you know, aspiration and tax and I, like this is going, the wheels are going to come off very quickly. So
0: and, they can't, the- and they can't change leaders. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they
1: can't, I mean, you know, well, um, as much as Albo, like does anyone seriously think Albo wouldn't be a better leader of the Labor Party? I mean, there's yeah. no way.
0: Yeah. It's it's an interesting question. It is, it is a Bradbury thing. Yeah. It is a Bradbury moment. Now, do you think though, like as you mentioned with the populism, uh which obviously exists in the, in the, in the far right and it can, it can exist in the far left, but, a lot of the things that seem to be doing the Liberal Party in aren't necessarily new ideas. Catholicism and the Church has existed, yeah. been a bit too prevalent in the Liberal Party for a long time, yeah. and that is still getting trotted out by certain. Like,
1: not only have these ideas existed for a long time, they have existed by our political opponents. I yeah. mean, the idea of renationalizing industries, yeah. like that's Bernie Sanders' policy. That's yeah. not the Liberal Party, yeah. um, and that's when I sit there and I and you know you you sit there and you listen to some of these populist type things and they call them conservative that's not that's not conservatism that's that's populism i that's, mean you know we're about getting government out of people's lives we're about small government so these sort of populist things that you know get thrown around now are, and you see it all over the globe i mean it's um it is really frustrating because you know, it's not. It's not like at the founders of our party would have been talking about renationalising industries or these sorts mm. of things. And
0: that's caterism. Even.
1: yeah, it is absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, what are we going to out catter catter? We're going to out Pauline Pauline? Like it's yeah. ridiculous.
0: Where do you kind of sit right now politically? You think you've done your bid? You think you've done your dash?
1: I mean, it, once it's in your blood, it's very hard to yeah. to get rid of it. And um, I love. The private sector and what I do and, you know, at this stage of my life, it's a really good place to be. Yeah. Um, one, because of the political cycle, but also just personally. I mean, you know, late 20s and mm-hmm. being in federal parliament for another six years or whatever at the moment is probably not great, but um, I would never rule it out. Mm-hmm. The idea of sitting in parliament today is not what would get me out
2: of bed. So just talk us through that, through the first coup, if you wouldn't mind. <laughs>
0: We were in Canberra. That yeah. There's a whole bunch Canberra. of people that are still yeah. alive and running around that yeah. you know, will
1: write books on this stuff that I don't want yeah, to yeah. get into.
2: So. But what have you got?
0: The Killing Season Part 2. Yeah.
2: Was yeah, there'll be an ABC docker <laughs> again. Can't wait. But was the first coup, essentially, as you, you said earlier, how things in politics should be there to benefit the country, was the yeah. first coup to benefit the country or Malcolm Turnbull?
1: No, I, I, everyone will have their own reasons. And I think uh, in the Liberal Party... Um, it genuinely is a bunch of individuals who vote So yeah. everyone's going to go through their own thing And this swapping of prime ministers Is a disease that is a bad thing in our democracy I'm not going to argue against that But we do live in a Westminster system And if we couldn't change political leaders I mean you would never have had Winston Churchill You know, no. like let, let's be really blunt About how a system actually works So for me, and I can only talk for me I think the Liberal Party articulated What we were against very obviously And Tony was an incredible opposition leader And did a good job at that what worried me was in a world that is really changing, we have big challenges, we needed to articulate how we were going to address these challenges and give the country hope. Malcolm has, now people will commentate on the success of this, but he has a real vision for what this country can be and what it should be and how we could get there. Um, and so for me, it was, I, I really believed in him and I really believe, I still believe in him and I believe in that and that type of liberalism. What I don't believe, what worried me was, you know, if you said to people, well, were we not the Labor Party? Well, that's great, but we need to be more as a government. And if you actually look at Malcolm's record, I mean, he lowered taxes. He took on the unions. He stood up for small business. These are all things that Tony couldn't get through the parliament mm-hmm. um, because of the type of politics he'd adopted. And I don't actually think in this environment, hyper-partisan, super-aggressive politics is what our country needs. And that's where we clearly were going.
0: And you've got a feel for the pineapple farmers after the uh, shirt front incident, don't you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do you know any I mean, other industries uh, that struggled after yeah, the no, abbott to um, assault Putin? No, uh, we. Uh,
1: we uh, <laughs> I can understand people. Heaps, the,
2: um, heaps of our kangaroo meat uh, really? goes over to Russia, I and don't know. Uh, did, off, did go to Russia. Yeah, yeah. and I off, had a,
1: a kangaroo abattoir
0: in the electorate, and I went to uh, Russia. Yeah, a did couple it? of them did, yeah. Mm. A lot of exports stopped overnight. Yeah, yeah. When once the Russians had translated what the fuck shirt front yeah, meant. I, well, I, yeah, don't think, I don't think I need to like
1: give a character analysis of my former colleagues, but I think it's fair to say Malcolm's probably a
0: little bit more of a statesman, so yeah. <laughs>
1: might have handled that a bit differently.
0: And so how did you feel um, You know, with all that in the rear view, uh, driving down Venice Beach uh, <laughs> in Adventure Tech when you heard that your party were considering putting a former highway cop from the Bruce highway kind of kalanga region well he in was
2: on my neighbor the, he was uh he was actually a drug cop he was a narc. he was a narc? yeah he was how do you
1: know that do you know that from talking we to actually, people? though no, we to run actually in
0: or? we got we get a mail I know. from letters to the editor from punters who have told us oh, wow. um, yeah. about getting arrested for cannabis by yeah. Peter Dunn. <laughs> 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 no, you know, ne- a- they'll never forget <laughs> that so face. So, so, like, no, that is a pub young, young and a <laughs> yeah, no, no.
1: How did I feel? Um, you know, Malcolm summed this up pretty good when he called it a unique sense of madness that had got into these people. I mean, you you cannot explain this thing. You cannot yeah. explain the madness that went into why these people did this. And then the only other emotion I would just say is sad. I mean, you know, Malcolm is a really good mate. He's somebody who, you know, I, I admire. I wouldn't be where I am today. And just to see what happened and the madness that went with that, I mean, that's just sad is the emotion. Do you think you did the right thing by resigning? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. I think, like, does anyone seriously think that, you know, former politicians hanging around in
2: parliament is like particularly PMs is a good thing like well, and <laughs> he always
1: have... said he would I mean what's the surprise I mean he always said that but he would
2: it isn't like he needed a job
1: no but that's also another good reason to get out of parliament yeah right? like I mean this is somebody who is hugely successful has done all these incredible things he can put his talents to good use or he can sit on the jetty with Lucy I mean it doesn't really matter um, the point is like, you know, whether it's Kevin or Tony or these people just shouldn't still be in the parliament. And as somebody who's very happy outside of Parliament now, I can tell them they should be out of parliament.
0: Do you reckon and you probably definitely won't answer this question, but do you reckon there um there was booby traps put out in his final hours? Like do you think there was a moment where Turnbull said, Look, it's not gonna be me, but it's definitely not gonna be you.
1: I wasn't there. So I mean, <laughs> Ask him. Yeah, we'll 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 get
0: you on the uh, podcast one day. Um Malcolm, because or Alex at least, um, because we know you'll be listening to this. Or Lucy, we'll catch up with your mate Wyatt. Now, who were your mentors in that capacity
1: in Parliament? Mm. Uh, well, Malcolm, obviously, from you got to understand when I when I got elected, um, you know, we were on the rise in opposition, came into government at big landslide with Tony. So you know, it wasn't like Malcolm was sort of the heir apparent. We became very close very early um Julie has been like an amazing mentor and friend over the years I think probably the dynamic that played out is when I went into parliament I was very conscious of a lot of people saying hey a young person shouldn't be here sit on the sidelines and you know you're a token or a novelty what I did was actively seek out the advice of a lot of my colleagues and I think the more senior they were they were the better the kind of relationship we developed because you're not going to threaten them it's, where it was probably harder was sort of you know, people who might have been in Parliament for a couple of terms and hadn't made it to the front bench and you know, there's that natural competitive spirit. But I became very close with a lot of my senior colleagues, um, who are now lifelong friends from very early days. Which, which is weird, a, but who you know, called
0: the first bill. Um, Subkins, Don. Subkins. Yeah. Don and Luke, yeah. yeah. So yeah, you kinda got ship. along well yeah. with us. No, yeah.
1: Well Don was a great mate. Don Don likes a cigar and you know, drink, he was a good guy.
0: <laughs> you never you never really you're almost too young to even be involved in young liberals.
1: Well, yes is the answer. Um strangely, so when I decided I wanted to get involved in politics, not with the idea of being a federal MP, but mm. to make this difference. I went to I had just moved back to Queensland after spending a year in Melbourne. And I went to a branch meeting of the Sunshine Coast Young Liberals, and I remember it was so weird. It was, you know, all these people wearing a suit, sitting in this little hall. And
2: in, they are in, the weirdest people. It was global. unusual.
1: I've got, a, I love them, but it was a bit weird.
2: Those young liberals are spooky. I'm people. sure Young
1: Labor are just as strange, but yeah. I, they're but all, they're the all incels. Yeah, all of them. <laughs> all,
2: all of them are just are just like, <laughs> yeah.
1: mate. We'll invite you to the next branch meeting, but I um <laughs> just so go
2: out and do something, <laughs> mate.
1: So this so this is what happened, right? So I went to this meeting, and I sort of politely said, you know probably make this a bit different you know we could put the meeting in a pub instead and we could you know get some interesting people yeah. along my second meeting i went to three people ran for president of the branch two candidates got one vote each so they voted for themselves i got every other vote and became president um yeah. we radically changed it and uh <laughs> the first thing i did actually was organize this christmas party on the farm which you can imagine taking a whole bunch of young liberals out to the farm what that was it was interesting <laughs> uh, and then i was pre-selected within eight months
0: that's, That's hardcore, man. You it's walked different. into that room with some basic interpersonal skills yeah. <laughs> and suggested having a beer, yeah. and you became their leader. That's how you changed the world. Right, right. One That's- beer
2: at a time. So just, or uh, rum and coke, maybe. You've obviously been on the inside hmm. of uh, the beast from a personal interactions you've had, what's the prime minister like? I mean, I just can't get a good read on the him. current prime minister, current, the current one, number three. Who is it today?
1: Thirty-three. <laughs> <isn't> <laughs> it? Yeah, Scott. 30, no,
2: he's not. the thirtieth. Thirty. Oh, I thought we had Scott John Morrison, the thirtieth current number prime minister. Well, it's only like three o'clock in the afternoon, so. <laughs>
1: Um Look, I, I actually really like Scott. Um, he and I have, you know, some different views on things, obviously, mm-hmm. but I have always found him incredibly good at listening and actually doing stuff with it. So uh, when we came to government, talking about Iraq before, I was one of the first people that called, actually probably the first person in the Liberal Party who said, let's double the refugee intake taking the Yazidis who are facing genocide um, at the hands of ISIS. You can imagine in that time when Scott was immigration minister, stopping the boats, all of that, doubling the refugee intake wasn't an easy conversation. He was so good. We sat down with it. We worked through it together. He actually listened, and we eventually adopted it. When he was social services minister, I was chairman of the social services committee. And it was like, you know, young people off the dole and the GP co-payment, all this stuff. He and I genuinely work through that together. And he is someone who I think will give you the time of day. He's a good listener. He does actually have a strategic mind about this stuff. He does think deeply about policy. And I I, I just, I really
2: like him. So do you think he actually said, you, you know, as it's all in the media now, it's like, you know, Scott said in you know yeah. a, in a, in a cabinet meeting that yeah, yeah, yeah. that, were, were that, that we in? should do.
1: Well, it wasn't in cabinet, a shadow cabinet. Um, no, no, was, uh, but yeah, it was when I was in Parliament. Um, I would be amazed if that was true. I don't know. I wasn't sitting in the room, but I would be really amazed if you actually look at what Scott has done um, with the Islamic community, particularly in Sydney, um, and it's something I have spoken to him about over the years. I just there's no way that I would see that. I mean, this is a guy when he became prime minister, he said he wants to do two or three things. One of those things was bring Australians together. He actually believes this, so I think the idea that that, yeah. you know, unfortunately I think that's a bit of Machiavellian but politics.
2: Everyone needs to win elections, don't they, you know? I don't well, think that's how he to, wants to win elections. No election. one likes being in opposition, do they? Well, you can't do anything in opposition, you, 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 but I don't think that's how you bad win elections. <laughs> you've got know, lunchroom, you've got the tinier
0: yeah, offices, you know,
2: it's not fun. You it's know. not
0: fun. Now, tell us a little bit about the current state of, uh, I mean, Morrison actually doesn't really represent the rot. As a lot of the commentators are saying, he actually was a middle ground between Turnbull yep, and, and and Dutton. What are your thoughts as a neighbour of Dutton? Yeah, how has Dutton, who, who seems to have been such a problem for the Liberal Party for so long, managed to remain in such important positions and get given so many calls? Well, to make
1: I mean, it's a hard question to answer. Obviously, um, mm. Peter, look, I mean, Peter definitely isn't afraid of a fight, and there are some. Talents that you can put that to in in Parliament. Now, does that mean you should be Prime Minister? Probably not. Um, But I would. um, It's a question I don't have an answer to, to be honest Mm. with you. You, you, If you can tell me why people thought Peter should be Prime Minister, I'd I'd like to know the answer to that question.
0: Who were you backing in that? Malcolm. Obviously, Malcolm. But would you have.
1: Well, I mean, of course, you would have voted for Julie. Like, you know, like. um, It's it's a vote that should never have happened. We shouldn't be where we are today. I can't see a world I mean I really like Scott, and I think it's you know he's I actually think he's doing a really good job despite the circumstances, and I think most people would agree with that. Reasonable people would agree with that, but um I mean Jules I think it's a tragedy that she never got to be prime minister
0: well she's the thing is she's employable when she leaves a lot, I mean, she's lot of people have the best
1: time of her life now
0: and you as well and pine as well and and Turnbull will all be in work, yeah, a few other people might um, if they lose their seats, become unemployable. But you're never unemployable once you've done your time in Parliament.
1: I don't know. It's like any workplace, mate. 200 people.
0: Has any MP ever died a pauper?
2: You remember when we spoke to Bob and he said that, you know, he said, he said listen, <laughs> Sir Joe is not a crook. He never was. He said, I went and saw him when he was dying. <laughs> yeah. There he was in his, in his three bedroom red brick house in Kingaroy. He died in a small house without air conditioning.
1: Um, but, but Lady Flo was like still in politics for years after he yeah, got well, out. Lady Flo know. was, you know, she was the breadwinner. She
0: invented phys ed. Did she? Yeah. yeah. In Queensland anyway. It was adopted around the country. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean,
1: just, have you had the pumpkin scones, the whole thing?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, and it was funny. We actually had a guest on here. He's uh, an actor from LA, Luke Bracey, whose um, mother was living in, uh, in Atherton Tableland. His mum was from England. Huh. And she was brought out there by her husband, who was an Australian and they spent the first few months of their marriage, he was out working and she was at home, and she honestly thought that Sir Joe and Flo were satirical characters on the news each night. When she'd bring bring the scones out during the press conference, she she, she thought it was like a Humphreys-esque character. Just one more
2: thing while we're on the Nationals. We've seen recently that the marriage between the Liberals and mm. the Nats now is on the rocks you know we might have to get some marriage counselors in has it always been good you know in your experience were the Nats always there to kiss the feet?
1: No definitely not and I like I'm a coalitionist I actually yeah. I mean I obviously have my philosophy and my beliefs but I really believe in John Howard's broad church and the Nats and the Libs are best when they challenge each other in a respectful way not a weird way um, and complement each other I think that's a really good strength for our side of politics um where the wheels come off is you know when when you see what's sort of playing out and again this goes back to my point i mean the national party at its best is when it's the you know the party of elder statesmen of people who are i mean the national party actually doesn't have that many farmers in it that 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 much no, anymore and i think lots you of miners yeah well d- yeah. different backgrounds but i think when you when you have those elder statesmen from from the Nats and People genuinely from rural communities. That's a good thing to balance out my, you know, my friends from the inner city who are liberals. I think that's, that's when we are at our best and we have been at our best. I mean, look at the Howard government. It was successful for, I mean, look at gun laws. I mean, this is a big thing and, you know, divides a lot of communities, very relevant at the moment. It was the partnership between the Libs and the Nats that got that through and did it well, and you just couldn't have done it if that didn't exist.
0: And also, Howard played a dirty game when he wore a bulletproof vest when he was speaking with the shooters. I think he yeah. regrets that one. <laughs> well, he made them look like crazies. He got his. He got it through. Um, now, who would the Labor Party be teaming up with if they were ever in the position where they needed to form a coalition or? Uh, yeah, like would yeah. it be shooters and fishers? I no, mean, well,
1: well, but it's, it's not even a hypothetical. We know because they have coalition governments with the Greens. I mean, yeah. they have coalition government with the Greens in uh, Tasmania, in the ACT. Um, it's a really bad thing. I mean, the mm. Greens, you know, they're not environmentalists anymore. They're communists. Mm. They're not, yeah. you know, they're, they're the sons of Che Guevara. They're not, you know, they're not sons of Bob Brown anymore. And I think um, that's a really worrying thing. Do you the worry Leary about the Enviro world? Bros? Mate, like you know, Lee Rhiannon should be you know sitting around a a coalition, you know, with the Labor Party dictating economic policy. That's a bad thing for the country.
0: Yeah, and uh, tell us a little bit about where you see this. It was an interesting point you made earlier with this divide in the Labor Party between the working class left. Yeah. Where are you? Going, where would you say the heartlands for that those kind of um, electorates are?
1: Yeah, well, seats like mine. I mean, my, yep. my seat. So every state seat in my old seat, which is a you know kind of mortgage belt, semi-rural um, growth seat, uh, were all, always held by the Labor Party. Um, working class. You know, those are the areas where I think are the heartland of of any really party of government. They're either Howard Battlers or yeah. working class Bob Hawke type people. Um, that's ultimately where governments are decided. The strange thing, and I, I hope I'm wrong for the country's sake, but I actually think the left on the Labor Party are actually starting to win these arguments more than the working class. And that partly is why I think if Bill does win the next election, the wheels are going to come off this thing very quickly. Um, and, you, you know, you can see the Labor Party running to the left on... I, I don't know, where is the Labor Party running to working class today? I can't think of the
2: issue,
0: but I well, can think of the left It depends on ones. where they're visiting, isn't it? Uh, but w- yeah, Adani, exactly. For, for one reason... Uh,
2: well, you know it was just like the other day how Michael McCormack he was on the news and they asked him if he knew off the top of his head any policies that the nationals are putting forward for farmers and he exclusively couldn't. for mm. farmers yeah. yeah and he was yeah. like it was like, do they benefit the farmers over the interests of these giant big coal miners iron iron ore miners and he was like, no.
1: I mean, this kind of comes back to it's not even just about, you know, someone who comes from the farm. I always think it's a bit weird when we just talk about the farm. It's small business first, big business. Yeah, and the Liberal Party is the party of small business, yeah. and yeah. farmers are small business people. Um, but on to, you know, on this, um, this Labor Greens thing. I mean, th- this is not the party of Bob Hawke. That's really clear to me. Yeah. I mean, this is this is the party of Gough Whitlam. It's not the party of Bob Hawke, and I. If Bob Hawke was around today, I could see why why people would run at that. But there's no one like Mate, that in the Labor Party.
2: He isn't dead yet. <laughs> no, I love Bob. No. Yeah. You know, Bob
1: and I used to hang <laughs> out at the Woodford Folk Festival every year. <laughs> oh, we yeah, have that's me you. Yeah, yeah. No, he's <laughs> admi- I, I admire Bob for many reasons. Gimpy
0: Muster? Was that in your electorate? Just out. No, just, just out. out. That was a good show. It is a good show. The Toyota Gimpy Master. Now, so you just, just, and we'll finish on this, you're saying that, Shorten is trying to be a Palaszczuk Labour and an Andrews Labour at the same time. Exactly. Yeah,
1: yeah. You've got it in one. I mean, the Palaszczuk Labour of do nothing, be small target, uh, but then very much beholden to, and I think that's probably because it's a national Labour Party rather than the state one, beholden to extreme left-wing views uh, of either inner-city lefty types or some pretty left-wing militant unions, which are not working-class unions anymore. They're political
2: apparatchiks. Well, as long as he doesn't become a Michael Daly type in the Labor Party, he should have it in the bag. Yeah. You know, just don't Fingers say that's not the case. Any racist things yeah. in Western Sydney? You sh-
1: yeah, don't be a racist, and you can get elected.
0: Don't it's- be a racist, <laughs> and yeah. you'll end up in Parliament. And uh, the seat of Maranoa remains under the tight stranglehold of the haircut. Yeah. David Little Yes, yeah. um, don't expect any swinging in this seat anytime soon. But thank you, White. Thanks, uh, mate. The, the the swing whisperer. Um, and we're not sure. He hasn't really indicated, but maybe making a dash back in the next election. Or, or the one after that. Or one after that. Or the one after that. Or the one after that. I've got that. heaps of time. Okay. wait for the IPO. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thanks, guys. Yeah.
2: And for those playing at home, I don't think he was kidding. White Roy is about to be a very, very, very wealthy man. And until next week, it's his one poor man signing off, Errol Parker. Stay out of the pokies. Never talk to the cops without legal counsel present. The police are only out to destroy your lives. And I'm
0: Clancy Overall. You be kind to each other. And if you really need something to put on your resume, maybe try your hand at a couple terms in the lower house.